Well, again, this morning, um, so happy that you're in the room today uh, because we get to, we get to be um, uh, in this place together, worshiping God and glorifying him and, and, and hearing from our speaker today, who is Carmen LaBerge. Uh, she, Carmen is the, the, the morning host uh, for Northwestern's Faith Radio Network. Um, her passion is to reconnect the eternal with the everyday and to equip Christians to walk their faith out in a world that, that God so loves in ways that honor Jesus. Uh, she lives just outside Nashville, Tennessee on a farm with her husband, Jim. So would you all give a nice Northwestern welcome to Carmen LaBerge, please. every day so that I can be live on the air from 6 to 8 a.m. So it's like totally the middle of the afternoon for me. Um, And I need a favor from just a few of you in the very back. Um, I have a special needs son, Matthew, and um, he has a hard time understanding when I leave home for periods of time, like where I am and what I did. So I'm going to try to describe chapel to him. But if some of you in the back could take a picture at some point of what's happening, right? I'm talking, get the, get the heads, like whatever, right? Um, and then email it to me. And I'm Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Can a few of you do that? Plus it gives you permission to be on your phone during chapel, which I don't know, which is totally good with me. All right, um, we're going to talk about the entirety of the book of Ruth. So it's an Old Testament book. And you might be thinking to yourself, are there any Ruths in the room, by the way? Anybody in here named Ruth, have Ruth in your name? All right, shout out to Ruth. My mom is a Ruth Ann, and so I have always thought, you know, Ruth was such a great name. Not everybody had a mom like mine, but everybody needs a mom like mine because, right? So she was kind of like that. Well, she still is like that. So Ruth takes place in the days of the judges. And if you've ever read the book of Judges or know anything about it, These were really hard times, really hard times. And they were difficult times um, for people all around Israel and Judea, not just in Israel and Judea, but in the surrounding areas as well. And it was a time of massive human migration because of famine. And so one of the conversations, in fact, probably the most, um, the conversation that I have the most frequently with college-age students who are friends. I also have a daughter who's in college, and so her, she and her friends, one of the consistent conversations that we have is about this question, is God good? Like, is God good? Because I see human trafficking, and I see massive human displacement for all kinds of things, war, Um, Now famine, natural disasters, a third, a full third of the nation of Pakistan is underwater right now because of massive flooding. Is God good? Does God care about the people of Sri Lanka and Haiti? Does God care about the trauma I experienced in the darkness because somebody was satisfying their own desires? Is God good? My friend's dad died. Or I've got a friend who is addicted to a substance that they cannot break free of. Is God good? 
It's an honest and worthy question. And it's a question a lot of people are asking. It might be a question you're asking. And so today, I want to lift up the book of Ruth as a good place to turn in this honest conversation about the goodness of God. So, I'm going to start with this question. When I say the word home, so when I say the word home, where did your heart go? When I say the word home, where did your heart go? My heart, when I say home, um, even though I haven't lived there since I was six years old, goes to this farm in Muncie, Indiana. Because for me, it was home. That's where Tony the Pony was. And this, this bunny who was like as big as me, and I would like, I don't even know that he had a name, but I would like haul him around by the neck. I know. I know, it's shameful. What am I going to say? That was where Luddy, our three-legged dog, lived. Um, so for me, like, I, my heart, when you say the word home, my heart still goes there. So for the woman named Naomi, when we would have said the word home, her heart would have gone to Bethlehem. That's where she was from. That's where she grew up. That's where she met Abimelech, the love of her life. That's where she had her two babies. And then a famine came upon the land. And they completely ran out of resources. There was nothing more Abimelech could do to provide for his little family. And so he did what most everyone else was doing. He headed for another country where they would find refuge. They were refugees. And they went to the land of Moab. And it's in Moab that these boys, the, the, the sons of Naomi and Abimelech, grow up. But somewhere along the way, we don't know exactly when, but somewhere along the way, Abimelech dies. And now Naomi is a widow who is a refugee in a land not her own, but she has two sons, so she's okay. Culturally, she needs the covering of a man in her life. But she still has these boys, and these boys grow up, and like boys do, they got married, they married these Moabite women, and everybody was going to live happily ever after, right? I mean, God is good. Even though she had to leave her home, and even though her husband has died, God is good, right? She has these boys. But then Scripture tells us both of her boys die. Her husband is dead, her sons are dead. She's in a land not of her own. Is God good? Is God really good? This is probably the part of the book of Ruth that we all know. Because this is the part where Naomi says, I'm going back to Judea. I'm leaving Moab and I'm returning home. And these two daughters-in-law say, oh, we'll go with you. And Naomi tries to stop them. And she says, no, no, you stay here in Moab. Get married again. Have babies. Make a life. And one of her daughters-in-law says, okay, uh, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm going to stay here. And the other daughter-in-law, who is Ruth, 
says, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I married into this family. You are my person, and where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. That's the verse of Ruth that everybody knows. And so Ruth goes with Naomi back to Bethlehem of Judea. And that's where we learn about a guy named Boaz. Now, I want you to remember for a moment that these are the days of the judges. If you've never read the book of Judges, it was really bad. You think bad things are happening today? Really bad things were happening in the days of the judges. There were a lot of people legitimately asking in the days of the judges, is God good? Is God good? Ruth is a young woman, and she goes out to glean in the fields. So it's the barley harvest, and the harvesters go through, but as God has commanded, they don't, they don't pick it clean, right? They leave enough that the people can gather, the, the people who are in poverty and, and are hungry can gather up what's left behind. <clears throat> we have an orchard um, at our house, and, um, and we live next to a public park, and people like to glean. But they like to, like, glean the first fruits of the harvest. Like, they're in our orchard before we've even picked anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for people to glean sort of after the fact, but this sort of, like, you know, just taking anything, I feel a little... A little fuzzy on that, so you can pray for me. I'm not feeling terribly generous all the time towards those gleaners, but that's what's going on here. People are gleaning in the fields, and Boaz is a good man. A genuinely good man in the days of the judges is hard to find. And Boaz not only um, allows Ruth to glean with his, with the, with the women who are gleaning on his behalf, he says to the men who are providing watch care, Hey, look after her as well. In these days, these women needed a man as a covering. Because if you didn't have one, really bad things happened to you. Again, the book of Judges. So, is God good? Well, eventually, because, you know, it's going to have a happy ending, right? Eventually, Boaz marries Ruth. And they have a son. And Naomi finally gets her answer to the question, is God good? Now, Naomi's having a hard time seeing how God could have, in his wisdom and from his perspective, provided for her to leave the home that she loved in Bethlehem with her precious husband Abimelech and their two sons and be refugees with nothing, going to Moab and making a life there. But then losing all of that, losing her husband, losing her sons, how could God be good? She goes back to Bethlehem and she says, don't call me Naomi anymore because I'm not good. God's not good. My life's not good. But God has this kind of, could you wait and see, approach. Because Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. 
And if you've ever wondered if um, redemption and God's redemptive story appears in every book of the Bible, it does. The gospel according to Ruth is the person of Boaz, this kinsman redeemer. You see, Boaz and Ruth have a son. And their son is named Obed. And a generation later, further than Naomi could have seen, Obed has a son. And his name is Jesse. And a generation later, certainly further than Naomi could have seen, Jesse has a son, and his name is David. And I'm willing to bet that's a name that you know. So even if you don't know the name of Jesse, or you don't know the name of Obed, or you don't know the name of Boaz, or you don't know the name of Abimelech, my guess is you know the name of David. And by the days of David, the people of Israel are able to say, God is good. Bethlehem is known as the city of David. It might as well be known as the city of Naomi. But it took generations, generations for God's goodness to come into its fullness. And so you may be experiencing in your life something that makes you wonder whether or not God is good. And I just want to affirm that's a legitimate question. But it has an answer. God is good. And he has proven himself good generation after generation after generation. And you cannot see, I cannot see, I cannot see a generation beyond now when God might deliver into the world someone who will then deliver into the world, someone who will deliver into the world that will be like a David. We might be experiencing for generations something that feel like the days of the judges where everybody does what is right in their own eyes. But even in that generation, there was a Boaz. And so if you feel like you're living in the generation of the judges, if you feel like everywhere you look in the world, people are doing what's right in their own eyes, and you know the heart of God, and you know the heartbeat of his righteousness, and you want to be like him, then be Boaz in this generation. But if you're Naomi, and what you see and feel and experience is hard, then I want you to hear today that God sees you, God is with you, God knows you, and God never fails. His faithfulness is literally new every morning. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. God takes um, what others mean for evil, and he transforms it. It's why we call Good Friday good. Is God good? Was the cross good? 
seems very counterintuitive to suggest that the day upon which Jesus died the most excruciating of deaths, that we would attach to that day the word good. But it's because we know the rest of the story. It's because we know that on the heels of Good Friday is Easter Sunday, is resurrection, is hope, is promise. So, if you have a sense that the things that you're dealing with are too dark or too hard or too awful for God to want to concern himself with or work through, you're not alone. You're not alone. Faithful followers of Jesus have been in dark places and walked through dark valleys, and suffered greatly, sometimes with things that plagued them for a lifetime. The Apostle Paul is one of them. And he says this, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing is too dark, nothing is too hard, nothing is too far or too awful He says, this comes from Romans chapter 8, who can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No. No. In all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That means that He is with us. If you can't separate one thing from another, it means that that thing is with you. This withing that you're going to be talking about all year, right? This abiding in Christ, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the union with Christ, all of those are going to be conversations that you're going to have. This is God's commitment. I'm with you in it. I'm with you through it. I'm with you and I am for you. Nothing Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm going to conclude today um, with a blessing that I'm going to be offering on air all week. We're doing fundraising across the street at Northwestern Media. I work with Faith Radio. I have already talked this morning with people in all 50 states and 100 countries around the world via the magic of radio. And so, um, we are focusing this week on the fact that we are blessed to be a blessing. That's our theme in the fundraiser. And maybe you don't know this, but Northwestern Media Faith and Faith Radio were started because the students of the University of Northwestern, St. Paul, which was then Northwestern College, took up a collection, like their lunch money, to buy a radio signal. Like, 
I have the job that I have, and this university has a radio ministry and a global listening audience of people who are being nurtured in their faith each and every day because of students like you 72 years ago. How cool is that? Like at chapel, Billy Graham, who was the president, like passed the baskets around. Like crazy stuff. So we are blessed to be a blessing. But here's the, um, here's the blessing that we're speaking over people all week. And I want to use it to conclude our, our time together today. And it comes from Numbers chapter 6. You've probably heard it at the end of a worship service as a benediction, which is just the blessing that we say at the end of worship. And so I'll offer it, and then I'm going to make one brief comment. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I want you to consider for just a moment the words of that blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Who wants needs to be blessed today? I do. The Lord keep you. Have you ever thought of yourself as a kept person? You are kept. God is with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Your face shines upon, upon someone you behold as beloved. His face shines upon you because he looks at you and you are his beloved. You are precious to him. The Lord be gracious unto you. Could you use some grace upon grace today? I could. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. That's like the Lord lifting up his shield around you. His countenance, the very countenance of God is lifted up upon you to give you strength. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you what? Peace. Peace be with you, my friends, until we meet again. Let's pray. Holy God, bless us and keep us. Lift up your face to shine upon us. Be gracious unto us. Give us all that we need to walk by faith in this day. And holy God, give us peace. Amen.